Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an exciting edition of Training Unleashed. You know, what I love about today is we're going to be talking about that one thing that everyone needs to do, which is execute, right? You know, it's one thing to have strategy, but if you can't execute, uh, what good is it? So we have the founder and CEO of the Innovari Group, and her name is Kim Bohr. Did I get that right? You absolutely did. Excellent. I'm very dyslexic, but uh, Kim and I have had a great pre-talk. So I'm going to just ask you the tough question. What does it mean to think from the inside out? You know, really what it means, it's about looking at what are we doing internally between our process and our people. So a lot of times we think that we need to put a new product out or we need to go look at this external thing. And really it's about looking internally to what are the process and the people uh, that we have with us and what maybe isn't working as seamlessly as it should be. And do you find that companies tend to like move on to the next sort of shiny penny as opposed to finding the gold that's that's available, is that what you're what you're saying? I do, and I find that a lot of times um, the people and the process side are two challenging components, right? A lot of times, people are complicated and a little bit harder to deal with and process. We don't want to get too down in the weeds, and yet those are the two most critical factors, and so they tend to get overlooked or or perhaps just not as much time put towards them. And I think that those are really, really the biggest uh, fallouts around execution. Do you, do you find that people are just afraid of conflict or afraid of like, I don't want to suggest improvements in processes internally because they don't, they don't want to risk someone, uh, you know, getting in an internal battle and they don't, they want to tread s- safely. Is that what, what you see? there's absolutely see pieces of that. I also see people with just, you know, complacency. Well, we've always done it this way. Why do we need to do it differently? And I think that we get into ruts without even necessarily realizing it and just kind of go through the motions. You know, everybody is so busy these days. That word is just a really heavy word. And I think that because of that, things just get brushed past and checked off a list and moved on. And that's really becomes quite a problem. Yeah, no, I, I, I see that all, all the time. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, the very common thing. Well, we, because, because that's why we don't, because. Mm-hmm. Um, could you share with us sort of like, you know, don't name the client, but sort of maybe a, an example of, you know, opportunities that companies have missed that you've helped them find? Yeah, so there's all sorts of examples to share. You know, one in particular is really focused on an earlier stage, well, very well-funded startup company, and really found themselves in a bit of a a bind because their interest was growing quickly, and of course they had their product very well engineered. However, the whole people side of the business was quite a challenge, as well as just the process side of, and, and specifically around communication. So what they were finding was that as they were trying to get broader word out on the product and really get more alignment internally, they really were starting to see massive hiccups in their sales and their marketing organizations in particular, because they couldn't understand how to really uh, communicate more effectively. And when it when I peeled back the onion, if you will, it really came down to some really critical behavioral skills and, and uh, 
talent that was lacking even inside that executive leadership team. And when we started to work with them and help them understand um, these two components and give them the skills that were missing, it became a completely different organization and they were quite successful in their exit. But it really did come down to, to honing in on those two particular areas for them. So I'm gonna ask you kind of a challenging question, but I think it's a really good question. Because uh, I get asked this a lot when I do consulting and things. Why should a company use an outside person versus trying to do this themselves internally? You know, I think it's always about perspective because we tend to, we certainly, you know, inside an organization, you certainly know your business better. That That's absolutely guaranteed. However, we know from so much research and proven application that being able to bring in differing perspectives and perspectives that have other experience is incredibly valuable. And so in having that outside input and being able to draw on a much broader base of expertise is really incredibly valuable. And so I always, when I'm working with clients, I often tell them, I'm not here to be the expert of your business. I'm here to be the expert of the pieces that you aren't as, uh, established in and that from that lens is where I'll bring the strengths in. The other piece that I'm really big on is teaching them how to fish, if you will. And so really helping my clients to understand this isn't about me coming and becoming a you know potted plant inside your organization, but really about quickly finding out where those gaps are and then giving you the skills needed and having you go on your way so that you can identify them as you go forward. And to me, that's um, that's more of a gift and something that then they do continue to have that ownership internally on and be able to expand. Well, I think you're making, you're making a lot of really good points. Uh, just tell you a quick kind of funny story. Uh, when I was in franchising, one of, I was going to visit one of my franchisees and they, they insisted say, you've got to stay at our home. And I stayed at their home and their home was literally the cleanest home I'd ever seen in my entire life. I mean, so clean. You could eat off the walls, <laughs> the floor. I mean, I'd never honestly seen a house as clean as that house. So the next day I go to the store and they have an awning on the store. And in the awning in the store were, were uh, spider webs. And not a couple. I mean, I'm talking like spiders that have been working there for years. And the, <laughs> you know, the, store, the store was immaculate, right? So I, I invite the owner out and I show him the cobwebs and, and the man literally cried. Oh my goodness. Because he was so embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And the reason why he never saw the cobwebs is because they started really small, mm -hmm. right? And that's what happens in corporations is these problems start small, they get a little bigger, but everyone gets used to them and they mm -hmm. don't see, they can't see their own issues and they need someone like myself who walks in, who, you know, wasn't used to walking in that door that has that new perspective that you talked about. Um, and so, just starting to ask questions. That's just such a great story because it is those small little things that then fester and grow and multiply. And all of a sudden it's the, how did we get here moment? And really it, there were signs of it long ago. They just weren't able to, um, to stop and pause and notice them. You know, one, uh, bit Brett Beamer, who you might not know, but he's a researcher and he this furniture store had called him and said, we don't understand why business is so bad. Business is down, but every metric we have, customers are happy. So Britt does the research and he reads the research and everyone is, you know, really, you know, happy. And, he, you know, it's very complex. And he goes to see the client and he can't find the store. He can't find the store. Then eventually finds the store to find out that what had happened was a tree had 
grown up and covered their sign. Oh my goodness. But they had not noticed. Um, That's a great example as well. <laughs> yeah, like, wow. Um, so you have a term called walking the edge. What does that yes. mean? So walking the edge is really about that, that fine line of trying to take advantage when we're in these high growth times, take advantage with you know, moving through the market, acquiring the right talent, getting the right the product out right, along with the level of the mistakes that we can be making along the way and, um, and you know, being too aggressive to the point where we um, hire just to fill a position, but we forsake some of the values around what that hire should look like, or we end up, um, you know, putting, we end up slipping around our metrics and some of the things that we would be more cautiously watching if, if we weren't in such a hyper growth type of situation. And so it's really about how do you walk that edge of, of finding that level of to push everything forward at the same time, not giving up the pieces that you really should be tracking and, and really stay on top of. Interesting. So is that like sort of like a prioritization matrix or how do you, how do you go about doing that? So when I work with organizations, we, there's seven areas in particular that I find it's worthy of caution or review. And so when I'm working with organizations, we go through each and we look at uh, what to what degree are they in their efficiency of doing these things? Are they finding that there's so many positions they really are just needing warm bodies or are they they know we're, we're willing to slow down the hiring process? And we look at in the sense of how do we rank each of those seven areas? And then depending on where there's um, some challenges, there's extra tools that we might bring in and say, okay, you, you know, you're feeling this strain in this particular area. You don't really necessarily have the right tool around you that's going to make it easier. Let's bring something in. And so there's some tools that we uh, offer that, that perhaps are the, the right fit, if depending on which of those seven areas might be um, the biggest need for the clients we're working with. So it's some self-assessment, and then it's really equipping them with the pieces that are going to help them manage those seven areas better as they're trying to remain competitive and grow. So I can see how our listeners who are in growth businesses are going to sit back and say, mm -hmm. that's really fascinating because it is tough when you grow to keep culture, to, to keep uh, training the, the new people the way they should be trained. Mm -hmm. so the company keeps growing. What do you say to the company that's having hiccups, the companies that's not growing, what the companies that are maybe regressing? Um, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if you will find this in the work you do, but a lot of times I find that some the problems are often similar. Um, there's still often around people and process. They're um, sometimes around not necessarily defining what, maybe not having their own values as clear so that as they're filtering candidates through, they're not necessarily um, as aligned as they should be. Sometimes it's um, more around chasing too many shiny objects and really not allowing for, um, for the focus to be where it should be. I find that also it can be tied to organizations that have just been so insular, they haven't necessarily had their own professional network really developed. And so even from a, that company, you know, and, and um, ownership and leadership standpoint, it's still important in all times to be growing that professional network to help foster the growth of your own organization. And so I think that a lot of times there's the similar challenges. They're just at the, the opposite extremes in those cases. Well, it sounds like it's almost like a continuation, right? Where yeah. the problems start while the company's still growing, but they fester because they haven't been resolved. 
then they eventually win the battle and the company starts to starts to recede. Right. Uh, I think that's a good point. That's a great way to say it. And, you know, for so many companies, they might, as you said, right, they may not, the times are good. So we're doing well. All of a sudden it feels like things are bad. And if we're not paying attention to those particular areas, then when times become good again, we still may not be well positioned. And that's where I think you see a lot of organizations um, stumbling and, you know, and, and not existing as long as it really could be. Interested in Tortle's learning management system? Why not try it for free today? Tortle is offering a free LMS for up to 25 users. With Tortle's easy-to-use self-authoring tool and free quick start guide, you'll have courses up in no time. Sign up today and you'll experience one of the easiest-to-use LMSs in the marketplace today. To learn more, visit tortle.com forward slash LMS. So I'd love to get your opinion on a, I guess, a philosophical battle that companies have. So when companies are growing, sometimes companies have the idea, we're going to grow and staff, grow and staff, because we don't want to staff and grow because if we get out over our skis, then we've got too much expense. We've got to cut people back. So we want to kind of be safe. We want to grow and then build the staff to support, grow, build the staff to support. And the other point of view is if you're in a hyper growth company, you have to hire better people that can take bigger roles. So as the mm -hmm. company grows, you have the people there and you want to hire in advance so that you always are exercise, executing rather uh, properly and effectively. Which kind of those two or mix of that do you, what, what do you think is, you know, obviously it, it depends, but generally speaking, would you advocate? I I think it's hard in our current, you know, economics to, to do either of those extremely well, you know, because I think this last decade has shown that we are doing more with less and that's the norm now. And so finding organizations that can really get ahead of it, as you described, I think is, is much more difficult. And what I think is probably more appropriate is it goes back to some of that, basic nurturing and, and networking. If you have really, really strong um, recruiters, but perhaps just even your individuals trained inside your organization to understand the power of their, of what they can build inside a network, especially around a term I call intentional networking, so that you really align your networking efforts with your goals of what you're trying to do, then you start to create a pipeline and a sense of people that really you, you build relationship on and you start to get to know. The challenge is that takes planning and thought. And we seem to be in, in both those cases you talk about, we seem to be on those opposite extremes of we might hire ahead of time, but we're hiring for very specific profiles and we're still just in a sense putting some bodies into a, into a role hoping we'll get there. And then the other side is we're playing catch up. And so the thoughtfulness seems to be lacking in many ways. And so I, my recommendation is always it's more of this combination of, but then it's a new skill set that in a sense people have to learn that networking isn't just about going out to any random place, but you actually do it with more thought and the intention actually helps you focus where your time is spent and what you're trying to accomplish. And that's really a place I think we can move more people to. What I'm hearing you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that companies always ought to be recruiting, always looking for the talent. 
mm-hmm. when they need the talent, they, they can reduce the time it takes to find them because they've already been doing the, always doing the networking, almost like a professional baseball team has minor leagues and you're, you're always scouting or you're scouting college teams in football. You, you know, you're always scouting and getting ready. So when you need to hire, you can, you can hire more quickly, better people. Absolutely. But, in, but instead of it just being on the shoulder of the recruiters, it should be on the shoulder of everybody to say, hey, as you're out in any yeah. type of you know, situation, we really are looking for great people that we, we really want to see in these particular areas. We foresee that we're going to have growth in these areas over the next couple of years. Let's get to know people that do these things really well. And so I think it's that it's a, it's a bit of a different mindset of, of um, you know, it's not just going to a networking event to maybe meet a potential client, but it's also maybe to meet a potential colleague. And how can a salesperson or you know marketing professional have that level of of recognition and insight when they're doing it? And it's and it's really tying it back to the value of the company and, and trying to look at the bigger growth uh, perspective. Okay, I, I've got we're getting close to the end, but I got to ask this question because it intrigues me: leadership Bermuda Triangle. What does that? Mean? Yes. So in some of the work I do, there's um, behavioral traits that often when uh, not recognized and they go unnoticed, they can cause some pretty uh, damaging experiences. And so what we know to be true is that um, management permissiveness is uh, one of those traits. Um, looking at the, I actually had written, made some notes on it, um, lack of clarity inside of uh, the ability to lead and to message and to communicate, as well as the, um, the power of the communication skills. So those are the three areas that when we talk about this Bermuda Triangle, they're really tied to a leader's ability to lead well. And when those are out of alignment and there's some different, there's some additional factors behind it, it absolutely causes uh, really high performing cultures to falter and, and good work to just go undone. And so we talk about it from the lens of this Bermuda Triangle in a place of you really want to have awareness of what this is so that you can avoid landing in that place. And the great news is that it really can be built around skill set and understanding but part of it is really around the idea of, of looking at suitability and not just somebody who's you know, technically eligible for a position, but are they really well suited in the behaviors that they'll exhibit that then are more supportive of what the leadership quality should be for our organization versus um, promoting them because they've been a high performer, but maybe they're not really well suited to really lead. Well, I, and I think what you're describing are really some of the most difficult questions companies have to ask ask themselves because as companies grow or their business changes, uh, you know, do they have the right people on the bus and what what you need to get from zero to, you know, 5 million or 10 million is very different than what you need from 5 million, 10 million to 50 and then very different from 50 to 250 and very different from 250 to a billion, et cetera. And um, sometimes I bet you find that it's the, the, you know, CEO, COO, and that's got to, those are going to be extraordinarily difficult conversations. They um, are very difficult conversations because oftentimes they have they have gotten to where they're at with the behaviors that, that they've had, and they haven't necessarily seen that those behaviors haven't served them. So why change? And so it is a much more challenging conversation from that cultural perspective of helping the 
CEO, the senior leaders understand the impact and why um, it's perhaps not serving the greater good. And so it is, it always makes for great, interesting conversations, that's for sure. So I'm going to ask a question on behalf of all the listeners. Because if I was listening to this episode, which I obviously am listening to this episode, I want to say, what advice would you have for me as a person so that I keep growing, not just growing, uh, you know, in terms of doing what I do now, but that I can keep, I can move up in the organization. I can keep learning. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice, you know, to a person, not to a company, but, you know, the people listening to say, hey, if you want to be successful in your career, these are sort of the, this is sort of the advice I would give you. The advice I, I would give is really focused around take control of your own uh, career destiny, your ownership of your role, accountability to where you want to go. I think oftentimes individuals expect the organizations to provide all of the resources, all of the tools, all of the career path. And the reality is, is that no two career paths are the same. You know, what I did to get through my career is very different and how I'd advise somebody coming up behind me. And so really um, take the opportunity to, to have the ownership yourself and to reach out and do what you want to do and start asking for what you want and not sit back and, and have an expectation that your company's supposed to provide it to you. Hopefully they will be able to provide great resources really though, to make a difference. It's about you carving that path yourself and opening up your own doors. I love it. I love it. Sort of like have your own business plan for yourself. It, it really is. And yeah. I think that that's what the expectation should be. When I've been talking with young you know, students coming out of business school um, in the fall, I was working with some adjunct, an adjunct role and I was absolutely telling them the same. I said, the expectation is that you need to be driving what you want um, and figuring out how you differentiate your career. Don't expect to go out and have people laying out the red carpet. It's really about you decide where you want to go and make it happen. Yeah. Well, this has been fantastic. Uh, we are now coming down to the end and I'm going to, before your, your great offer, uh, one tip, if you had to give one tip to our listeners, what would that one tip be? The one tip I would give would be um, focus on tracking your impact on a weekly basis. Look at what you do and how, whether that be what you do from a success standpoint, the hiccups you have along the way, but track those successes and take an opportunity every week to go back and look at them because that's how you actually get to see not only the impact you're making, but really the confidence you're building. And it goes on to that, the converse, the comment we just spoke about. So absolutely track your impact, look at your successes, look at the hiccups you have and, and really continue to learn from both of those as you move forward. You know, I love how you approach it because I think almost 99% of the population does the exact opposite of what you just suggested. Mm -hmm. They only focus on what they did poorly. They beat themselves up, they live in self-judgment, and it makes it hard for them to succeed. Where if you focus on, hey, what did I do well? Can I keep doing more of it? Hey, look at what I've, what I've accomplished and feel good and proud. You build up self-esteem, which enables you to be more successful at work and more successful in life. So Exactly. And we, if we think of it from lessons learned, we learn from both those things. We don't just learn from one or the other. You know? yeah, I, I'm a huge, huge believer in living in positivity, living in gratitude. Um, and just as a lifelong commitment, I love, I, love your, I love your idea. It was a great tip. 
So I know you have some uh, an offer of information and everything for our listeners. Please tell everyone what you have and how they can find it. So we have a great uh, three different offers for the listeners to take advantage of. And the first offer is a checklist about um, seven uh, areas to look at for strategic execution. And then there's also um, a video tip of myself around how to implement some uh, strategic execution tips very quickly inside your organization. And so you can go to the innovarigroup.com forward slash training unleashed. And so that's the Innovari, I-N-N-O-V as in Victor, A-R-E group.com forward slash training unleashed. And you can find all three of those offers there and they're all complimentary and take advantage of whichever you would like. So tell us about where the name Innovari came from. And then start so, some more time. So it's I-N-N-O-V as in Victor, a-R-E, and it's Latin for innovate, renew, um, grow. And so when I was starting this company many years ago in its first version, I was really looking for something that resonated in that place. And I've always been about business and leadership growth. And so, and I was Googling and looking at different Latin words. And so that was uh, the one I landed on and have been very proud of. Well, that's cool. I, I like the history of that name. That's a great name. Thank you. Well, thank you for that very nice offer and I appreciate having you as a guest. I want to take a moment and thank all of our listeners. Uh, we always love to reward those that stay until the end. Um, so everyone have a great day and, and Kim, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This has been Training Unleashed, but it doesn't stop here. Just go to trainingunleashed.net to subscribe to the show. That way, you'll never miss an episode, and you'll be well on your way to delivering training programs that are off the chain. We'll talk to you next time on Training Unleashed. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.